You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode number 401. Where instead of one customer talking to five of her friends, it's one influential customer talking to 50,000 of her fans. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I am so happy to have you joining me here today. I know you're in the hectic holiday season, so it makes it extra special that you're tuning in. It's this time of year I know you count on for a huge bump in business. And along with that comes high activity and all routine flies out the window as you rush to get everything done. I bet right now you're thinking I'm going to remind you to take care of yourself by eating right and getting enough sleep. That indeed is true. But what I also want to do is reference you back to a podcast episode I did a while ago. It's number 137, titled Five Steps to Merry and Bright Holiday Sales. Now, while this title sounds all light and festive, it's actually a very important show. Here I share with you how to keep the momentum of your holiday sales extended into the new year. And the reason I want you to listen to this show now is I explain how to enhance your holiday season all around, year over year. So write this episode number down and fit it into your podcast listening plan. Number 137. It's a shorter show and you can knock it out at double speed if you like. The important thing is you capture the information while you can, which is right in this holiday season. You'll understand what I mean when you listen to the show. I've actually got a lot of goodness coming your way because besides that show, In this episode, we're discussing influencer marketing. This could be a new sales approach to dive into next year. The exciting thing about this strategy is that influencers are becoming more and more attracted to smaller brands. They're discovering that people with smaller audiences are more connected to their followers and in turn are more trustworthy as products are introduced and referred to them. This works in reverse too. I've seen the tide changing in this direction over the past year, and now's a great time to get an update on how it all works. Today, we're going to be talking with Yash Shavin. Yash is the founder of Serol, a tool for e-commerce brands that makes finding, managing, and monetizing influencers simple. He's an engineer by training, but a marketer at heart. After working various sales jobs, Yash started a marketing agency where he scaled many brands and software companies to over a million dollars in annual revenue. Over the last couple of years, Yash has been focused on the world of influencer-driven marketing and has worked with over 5,000 influencers. He's created and perfected his own six-step system that any brand can apply to start and scale a successful influencer program. Yash. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. <laughs> Thanks, you. Thanks for having me on. And that was a lovely intro. Let's do it. Good. I'm glad we started it off right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I like to do first with each guest that comes on the show is mm-hmm. have you describe yourself in mm-hmm. more of a personal way. And that's okay. through a motivational candle. So if you were to describe for us what a candle would look like that really would speak to you, Yash, what color would it be? And like what kind of a saying or feeling or quote would be on your very special candle? I think my candle would be a nice, bright orange saffron color, like a very like the color of the sun when it's rising. It's probably going to be that color. And I think there are like too many quotes that I live by. I'm picking one, but I think if I had to do one on the candle, it would be like boring work leads to extraordinary outcomes. I think a lot of growth is just doing the same thing over and over again. 
another non-resume background on me i train mma especially in sports like jiu jitsu or even in like martial arts in general it's a lot about doing the same thing again and again like practicing the same kick again and again and again until you get it right and it gets boring after a point but then that's where the progress comes so i think it applies straight into business as well like not everything's going to be exciting so you have to get used to the boredom of doing the same thing over and over and over and over again until you see the end result right because mm-hmm. a lot of the graph is like slow growth until it finally hits but most people just give up here because it's too boring right so that would be my quote yeah that makes me think differently and we haven't ever talked about it with the word boring before but i think some people just get frustrated because they try something it doesn't work it doesn't work it doesn't work or they don't start at all because they don't know what they're doing so they're afraid they're not going to do it right but to your point about it being boring and just rehearse and do it over and over again and practice until it becomes second nature and you perfect it that's when you see the results exactly yep i think it's both quality and quantity right a lot of people focus on like doing their best work but then yes you have to do your best work but you also have to do it so many times that everyone else who is doing their best work is like outworked by you and that's how you win right yeah I think I'm going to take this just a little bit of another extension for everyone who's listening who's a maker and hiring somebody in to help make their product. It will take them a little bit of time to get to the point near where your skill level is of being a creator, right? They have to have the creative skill, but you have to give them some time to perfect it. Just like Yasha's saying, some repetition. If they don't do it right the very first time, don't be frustrated and think they're not the one who can help you. You need to give them a little time in to get there. Just came to mind, so I had to add that in. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take it back a little bit in time. I'm interested. I know you started your own marketing agency, but how did influencer marketing get on your radar? Okay, so this is a very interesting story. So I started the marketing agency, nothing huge, just a few of us, like four or five people working with brands, working with SaaS companies. It was what's called a full funnel marketing agency. So we did everything from acquisition to onboarding to retention to revenue. Like we used to do, like touch all parts of the funnel. We weren't just like doing Facebook ads or doing email marketing. We were like pretty much like all over the place. We just worked with a few brands and we helped scale them. Were they all retail or product-based brands or services also or product? No services, product only. All product. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Not retail though, mostly like e-commerce, like online stuff. Yeah. Okay, but still product. Product, yes. Got it. So we worked with them. And then if you were in e-commerce back in like pre-COVID, like 2019, 2020, early 2020, a lot of the growth top of funnel, like user acquisition was through Facebook ads. So they were just pouring money on Facebook and Facebook used to perform well. It was slightly plateauing, but then it wasn't bad. And then what happened was Apple launched this brand new thing called iOS 14.5. And they, with that, they launched a new privacy update, which caused all Facebook ads to, and this was the time around when Mark Zuckerberg was in the news. A lot of like people from Google were in the news for like this privacy thing. So Apple took it seriously. And then they just stopped. If you recall a couple of years ago, and even now your iPhone started asking you ask app not to track. Right. Right. So that was the software update. And that basically crashed all the Facebook ads because Facebook couldn't track people anymore. They couldn't tell you that, oh, like Sue is interested in product based businesses. Yosh is interested in martial arts. They lost all that data tracking. Yeah. And as someone who was part of that scene doing Facebook ads, and I know that some of you listening also are familiar with this, but what used to be so great about Facebook ads is that And you can tell me how much I know, Yash, after I spent all this money on Facebook ads. But before that crash, once you had a system and an ad that worked, you knew your return. So even if you put more dollars to it, you knew and were very confident of the return that you would get. So it was a very stable, solid, well-performing platform. Forget organic right now. We're not talking that. We're talking about with ads. And so a lot of us who, especially on e-commerce, a lot of us relied heavily on that to attract in new business because it was very predictable. And then all of a sudden the door slammed shut and it wasn't predictable anymore at all. Exactly. To be fair, they gave us what? Three months warning, maybe six? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, they did that. 
I remember the blue warning popping up and saying, hey, you need to fix your conversion events to something else or something like that. But then we were seeing the downfall of ads and this was already in the back of my mind. Like, hey, we need to like pivot. Otherwise, like this is just not sustainable. And then the iOS update hit the nail in the head and we were like, okay, I have two options now, right? Either all my clients would fire me because there's like no no customers that they're getting oh, no. from Facebook <laughs> or yeah. I could do something to get them customers, right? So obviously I chose the latter and then that's how we discovered influencer marketing and there were like a couple of options we were considering, right? So content marketing is a good one, but again, SEO and content, that stuff takes at least 12 months to really start performing. So like, that's like too long of a time frame. We need something relatively more quicker, right? Because Facebook ads is quick, right? You could just turn on an ad and two hours later you have a sales coming in, right? That's not possible with SEO. So I think influencer marketing was sort of in the middle where it takes a couple of weeks, but then you see the sales come in and it's more long-term as well as compared to Facebook. So we were like, okay, let's do influencer marketing. And that's how I just kind of just stumbled across it thanks to Apple and Facebook. And then, yeah, that's how we got into it. We were really successful at it. We've scaled like programs from zero to 300, 500 creators sometimes. And then, yeah, we've worked with thousands. I've lost count. Like the 5,000 number I gave you was just like, yeah, well, it's probably 5,000 now because we've scaled so many influencer programs. But yeah, thousands of creators have been reached out to, negotiated with. So yeah, that's my influencer marketing story. Wow. Okay. So this is new learning for me because I also talk a lot about content marketing and I think it's a good strategy, but you're right. It's long-term. Kind of like how we also talk now about being on Pinterest. Pinterest isn't so much a social media platform now. It's more kind of like YouTube, like a long term. You put it up mm. there and it's going to work for you for a long time, but it's going to mm. take time to start seeing results. And you're saying influencer marketing sits between what social ads used to look like and then what content is. Exactly. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because social ads was immediate. It's, it's like a tap, right? You turn it on, there were sales mm -hmm. versus something like a content marketing is like digging a well. Like over time, slowly you find some, you find some, you know, it's dry soil and you keep digging, you find some, you know, mud, then you keep digging, maybe <laughs> some water and you keep digging, then it's like a well, right? It takes time. But then it keeps flowing. Exactly. With Facebook ads, when you stop, it's over. <laughs> yeah, that app is done, right? So I think influencers fit right in the middle where it's not as quick as turning on a tap, but it also does not take six months to really start giving some reasonable results. So when you decided that you were going to target in and really get to know and understand influencer marketing, how did you do that? How did you educate yourself to get to where you are as an expert now? For sure. So I think I've spent for influencer marketing, maybe over like almost close to like, depending on what you consider influencer marketing, I've close like spent like 10K on coaching, on courses, on books. But I must say I did not start with any of this. I think a lot of people tend to like, because influencer marketing is like a weird space where it's like just not obvious what to do. Like, how do we reach out? What influencer do I, uh, how much do I pay them? Right. So like, what do I say in my email? How do I DM? Right. So it's just so many questions. I think people, it's natural to just want to seek out some sort of a structure with books and courses. But what I did was like, I'm a pretty scrappy like marketer. So I just like, I was like, okay, we need influencers. The best way to find influencers is on Instagram. So we just searched some Instagram influencers, sent them DMs, sent them emails, and then it started working. And then I got the ball rolling first. And then I invested in all this like courses, books and stuff like that, and educated myself over the course of like years. And it also comes through doing, right? The more influencers you talk to, the more negotiations that you do, the more campaigns that you run. It's like all of that is just learning over time. Right. Okay. So I love that because it's a combination of gathering the knowledge from people who have already been there, who are sharing, and then also doing your own experiments and testing and feed in to figure out exactly how it will work best for you. So you're not just exactly. taking something and replicating what other people had, you did a combination. And I think that's a wonderful way to approach anything new that we're doing. And let's face it, influencer marketing is still also very new. And I think, and let's correct a misconception right off the bat here, and you've already been stating it. I think a lot of us who are less tapped into this think that an influencer has to come to us, where mm -hmm. what you're saying is the program is be proactive, decide you're going to have an influencer marketing program and reach out to them. Yes. Right? Yep. 
Before we get into everything influencer marketing, let's make sure everybody who's listening understands exactly what we're talking about. So I'm thinking like a definition here would be good so that we all know we're starting from the same place. Sure. I think at the most fundamental level, it's just think of it as, except regardless of influencers and social media and all of that, I think it's just word of mouth at scale. I think everyone knows what word of mouth is. It's when your customers shout out or talk about your brand to other people who also might become customers, right? So influencer marketing is just a form of word of mouth, where instead of one customer talking to five of her friends, it's one influential customer talking to 50,000 of her fans, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a different form of word of mouth where it's at scale where one person has a huge reach of people specific to your target market when they are talking about you. So if I were to put a definition to it, I would just say it's like it's word of mouth at scale. Okay. I love that. And I think that's going to be the title of this episode. Thank you. (laughs) That was perfect. We got it. (laughs) Because it really does. It describes it all. And it's very clear to understand for sure. Okay. So you were going to go on and talk a little bit more about how it all developed and you know that. Yep, outbound. So basically, I think that's true. Most of even in e-commerce, what I've seen is that people come from the affiliate kind of side of thinking where they think the affiliate has to apply to your affiliate program, then you approve them and then they promote you. That's possible. And we've seen that happen for a lot of brands that we've scaled, but that comes with recognition, right? When you're an early stage brand, not a lot of people know about you. You have to reach out to these people. You have to find the right people. You have to reach out to them with the right message and the right offer for them. Like what's in it for them, right? Obviously for you as a brand, like there's lots of promotion, there's lots of reach, but what's in it for them, right? So you have to reach out to them with the right offer. And then based on your experiments, do doing these outreach messages, maybe you send like 50 messages saying, hey, we'll do a percentage commission. And then you send 50 messages doing like, hey, we'll pay you a flat fee upfront. Maybe you send another 50 messages saying, hey, we'll do a combination of a fee plus some commissions. And then you learn from this. And then eventually you build like a core offer for influencers, which they can then apply to. But then when you're starting out, at least like to get your first 50 influencers to promote you, we've seen that outbound usually is just the best strategy. You're in control, right? Because you can onboard as many as you want, reach out to as many as you want. You can take it slow if you want, take it fast if you want. Versus with inbound, you'll just have an application page there. But then what, like you don't have control over it. You don't have control over how many people apply. I love what you're saying, Yash, because you're saying, yeah, get your first 50. And I think a lot of people are here like, dang, I'd be happy if I got my first five. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're thinking bigger and because you've seen that happen. So I love that. You know, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of focus now on micro influencers Mm -hmm. that we as smaller businesses, you know, not the big brand names that are on the top of everyone's mind that are the smaller brands are becoming more popular with influencers these days. Yeah. Is that right? You're saying, I see you nodding your head. Yeah. No one else can see it, but you're nodding (laughs) your head. So is that true? And why do you think it is? That is very true. And I think there's also another faction of influencers called nano influencers, which is even smaller than micro. And I think for us right now, for our clients, we are seeing that mostly like nano is the way to go, especially if you're like an early stage brand. And I'll tell you the reason for that. Most, like you said, so most bigger brands are after the bigger influencers because it's like if they are, let's say they're Nike, right? Nike wants to work with LeBron James, right? It's like the biggest of the biggest, right? The influencer, is the biggest the brand is the biggest, right? And as you keep going like lower and lower in terms of scale, they want to work with like influencers at a similar level as them. So as an early stage brand, you're a startup, right? You're a new brand. So you want to work with a startup creator, right? On the other hand as well, if you're a startup and you reach out to like someone with like 200,000 followers, they're likely not going to reciprocate. But if you reach out to someone with 5,000 followers, they're very likely to reciprocate. So it's just that kind of like, what's the stage that you're at and who's going to reciprocate to you. And then, yeah, most brands that we are seeing right now are having massive success with nano influencers. And let's define that, right? So it's different where you read it, but usually anywhere between 3000 followers, 25,000 followers is what's like a nano influencer. Okay. And anywhere between 25 to 100K is micro is what we consider micro. So, yeah. All right. If I'm a jewelry maker. Mm hmm. What type of influencers would I be trying to reach out to? 
because I'm making the product and selling the product to my community. Yep. So give us just an idea so we understand the opportunities as you continue talking later. For sure. So if you're a jewelry maker, there are two concepts here, right? So let's say I'll tell you my process of working with the brand. So let's say if a jewelry brand comes and they want to work with us, we tell them the way we find influencers is, is two things. One is like, who is your core influencer and who is your tangential influencer? And I can explain these concepts. So core influencer is someone who's posting about jewelry, who's posting about accessories maybe like something that is just directly related to your brand so like um you know jewelry accessories earrings luxury jewelry something like that right or like whatever you're let's say you're into imitation jewelry so someone who's posting about imitation jewelry is your core target right and then there's something called tangential which is mostly like so your core is usually like 20 percent of who your influencers are and then most of it is tangential so someone who's into jewelry is also likely maybe into beauty, right? Who's also likely into skincare, let's say luxury skincare, right? And who's also into like makeup, something like that, right? So it's like similar to like people who are into jewelry are also into X, Y, and Z. And these are like your tangential hashtags or your tangential groups of influencers. It's like the same audience, but not directly selling the same thing, but their interests would probably be similar. Exactly. So your goal should be to not find influencers, but to find sources of influence. So these are two different things. Sometimes someone's an influencer, but they have very little influence on anybody, right? Versus maybe someone's not that big of an influencer. Maybe they just have like 5,000 followers, but all 5,000 of those people are like, whatever this person says, I'm going to buy, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to do it in my life. So that person's a source of influence and that is the person that you want to find. Well, and that's also why I think the nano and micro are becoming more popular because you can have someone who has 200,000 followers, but such a small percentage of even that large number really care because there's just the community is so big. But when you have smaller communities, they tend to be more focused and in-depth and loyal. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's just natural law of numbers, right? The larger you go, the broader your appeal is, the smaller you are, the more focused you can be. You could also actually see it in like, maybe pop culture television stuff. So Mm -hmm. like when someone's like, let's say, they're like a sports person, and they're like a sports influencer, right? They just talk about sports. Let's say that sports person has like 100,000 followers, right? But let's assume they also now they go go get into like, let's say their state politics or something, right? Now they just can't talk about just sports, right? Because their audience has changed. It's like 10 times larger, 100 times larger now, right? So you have to like go broader, even as like from an influencer's perspective, right? If they want to go bigger, they want to speak about more things in a, to a broader audience and mm-hmm. water down their core message. So especially as an early band to see the most results, you want to work with like, the smaller creator with a very simple defined core message and like work with like more of those people than chasing that one superstar that you think would be like the golden unlock for your business. Because a lot of times everyone's chasing them and you're really not going to get that presence or that the bang for your buck, if you will, even if they agree to do it, the smaller brands are much better, the smaller influencers. Yes, exactly. And the bigger influencer is also going to charge you a lot more upfront cash as opposed to the small influencer. Usually like small influencers also agree on like a commission basis, like a rev share or an affiliate model. And that's Mm -hmm. the best, especially if you're like a small business owner, you don't have external funding, you're just kind of like doing this on the side or have your savings that are into it. You don't want to like risk paying someone 500 bucks and hoping that it drives at least 500 worth in sales, right? You would rather do an affiliate model and smaller creators are the ones that are most open to that. Well, so tell me, because now I'm getting myself a little bit confused here, because a lot of the time from the handmade product or any type of a physical product, Mm -hmm. what we do is you reach out to someone and you send them your product to try, right? And then the idea is then that they're going to try it and promote it to their community. Yep. And so who's paying who at that point? You are sending a product, but where's the commissions or the flat fee coming from? Yeah. So usually like sometimes you can, if it's a really perfect fit, like if you're like into imitation jewelry and the influencer is all about imitation jewelry and your product is really great, like different from the market, they might just post for product only. 
but very rarely have we seen that work. What works usually in our case is that if you send them free product, yes, and you give them a certain affiliate commission for themselves, and if you give them a discount for their audience, so you're incentivizing all three sides here, right? Okay. You're sending free product, which is basically rigging the game in your favor. They don't have to buy from you. You're just sending them it for free, sending it to them for free, right? You're giving them a reason to post so that they can earn a certain percentage in commissions. So they have a reason to post. Now, even if they post and nobody buys, then the whole thing is pointless, right? So you have to give the audience a reason to buy. And that's where the discount for the audience comes in, where you give them like a 10% off if you buy using my coupon code or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, and honestly, you know, I feel like I would want to send them my product because I want them to take pictures having my product with them because that's credibility, right? Yeah. So we just got a new puppy and okay. our puppy has its own Instagram. It's Biscotti Tails, if you want to check it out. Biscotti, like the cracker, Tails, T-A-I-L-S, okay? I'm not doing any influencer marketing yet, but I am getting approached by people, mm -hmm. dog bandanas, yep. dog bones, like all of that. And so us talking comes at a great time for me. Now, obviously yep. we just got him. I think he has 50 followers, maybe most of them family, <laughs> <You know? laughs> whatever, maybe more. If you guys are listening, follow Biscotti Tales, <laughs> but I'm having smaller handmade businesses reach out to me with dog related products saying, Hey, are you interested in promoting our brand? We'll send you free product, or we're going to give you this discount, that kind of a thing. They might not be doing exactly it right i don't know yep. but is this the kind of interaction you're looking at yes this is exactly right so i mean there are different flavors to it i we mostly prefer to incentivize all three sides so everyone comes out on top but some people like depending on your budget on your constraints and what you want to do and the type of campaign you're running you might do a what's called a barter collab where you give them a free product and they post about you there's no commission there's no discount none of that that's a barter collab what we do is also called ambassador collabs, where you kind of make them like a brand ambassador, which is the best for long term, because you can do barter once, right? But you can't like, it's like that doesn't work. Nobody's just going to keep posting what you for free, right? So you have to give them some skin in the game. Someone's been asking me about that too. I didn't know what that was yet. I haven't had the time to look into all of it yet. They're all communicating with me through DMs. So nice. I've got them all saved. I know I need to go back and look at them. And for me, even though it's biscotti talking, because that's how mm -hmm. I've made the account go, okay. I need to know that I like the product before I'm going to recommend it, right? Because if I don't... And if biscotti likes the product. Right. right? Well, he yeah. loves all his scarves yeah. <laughs> so far, but <laughs> you're exactly right. Because I don't want to be like, oh, you know, she does all of this and half the stuff we never even see them using. Not that. You're exactly right. As a brand, you want to work with creators like Sue, who are selective about whom they promote. There's a lot of creators you would find online, and I'm sure you've probably seen some of them who just promote every single brand that approaches them, right? Because they pay some money. That just loses authenticity over time. You are not credible because on one day you're promoting like a, let's say a vegan health food startup on another day, you're promoting a leather jacket. Like it doesn't make sense, right? It's not congruent. Good point. Yeah. So as a brand, you want to look for influencers who are congruent with their message. It's fine if they promote like a, let's say a vegan jacket and a vegan, like a health supplement, something like that. Because as long as it's aligned on, so it's like not incongruent, it's not like hypocritical a bit. Right. Um, you want to work for those kinds of creators. And like Sue was mentioning, you want to work with creators who will only promote something if they like it. Because that's where true advocacy comes. Like if they actually love your brand, then like the affiliate commission and all of that is just like a icing on the cake. Anyway, want to promote you because you're so awesome. So right. find that tribe of people who would promote you organically and then incentivize them to promote. It's kind of like if I were to give a similar analogy, maybe for the business owners, because we also spoke about hiring right at the beginning. You don't want to hire someone who would only work at your company for the money, right? You want to hire someone who would anyway work at your, like they're anyway a great fit. And then obviously like you got to pay them, right? That's like, that's fine. Right? But you yeah. don't want to work with someone who's just doing it because you pay them more or just doing it because they desperately need the money because they're just not going to perform well over time, especially. 
you want to work with team members who are like motivated by your brand, who have full buy-in, who live the brand's ethos. And then you obviously like pay them, you work with them, you treat them as family, all of that. Same for influencers. You want to work with influencers who would anyway potentially become customers of your brand. They anyway love your product. And then you're obviously giving them affiliate commissions so that, you know, they are incentivized to post. So that's like an analogy. Yeah. Got it. That's a good point. Yeah. One more thing. I want to get into your six step process a little bit, but it brings up another question. As a small business, let's stick with jewelry because that's where we started. We'll just stay with that theme here. Is there a certain number of influencers you should have? Because at some point it just gets to be, they're not doing anything but promoting anybody else. We're going to continue this conversation after a short break to hear from our sponsor. Just imagine being able to print personalized ribbon or fabric labels right from your kitchen, craft studio, or shop. That's what you're able to do with my other business, The Ribbon Print Company. Hear more about it right here. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So in terms of number of influencers, what we've seen work is that, like you said, like a lot of brands would be happy to have five and I'm talking about 50. Usually a lot of brands just think small with the number of, and they think that having like five, 10, like a dozen people promoting them is going to result in sales and replace like Facebook ads for them. But that pretty much never happens unless you somehow convince like five super famous people to post about you on commission only. That's not going to happen. You need a decent volume of creators. And what by that, I mean, at least like 30 to 50 influencers promoting you on a consistent basis on your program. What does consistent mean? Weekly, monthly? Actually, it depends on the product, right? So what's the use case of the product? Let's say like a skincare product. Let's say a sunscreen, which you would use every day when you go out, right? Then maybe that's a weekly cadence where they post about it once a week. So people are reminded. If it's like something like, let's say a hiking product, which you'd actually use once a week, every weekend when you're out on a hike, then it's better to promote it monthly, right? Because mm -hmm. that's like kind of naturally, it'd be weird if someone's posting about like this hiking stick every single day, right? It's like, does like no one's going hiking every day. So it's like based on the product, but usually by consistent, what we mean is one influencer should post about you at least twice or thrice in a month, depending on the product. Okay. So you would have, let's make a magic number be 30. Okay. So you would have 30 different outside influencers promoting and talking and bringing attention to your brand, to their audience, which then the goal obviously is for sales to come into you. You get to collect the email and then you, you know, hopefully you have an email marketing program, then you're able to communicate with them moving forward. Correct. That's the ideal. Correct. Yes. And then you can build on it, of course, accordingly. Yeah, based on how it works, you can, I've seen brands sustain it at like 50. And like, honestly, if you're, let's say you're doing good on Facebook, you're doing good on TikTok and like your content starting to work, having a community of 30 to 50 ambassadors is like probably one of the best things that you can do for your brand because it also helps you get creatives for your Facebook ads. You can reuse their reviews on say Instagram, TikTok or whatever on your landing pages. So instead of like text reviews, imagine adding like videos of people talking about their brand on your product page. That's like insane, right? You can reuse it as organic content on your social. So it's like, it's touching so many. You can reuse it in your email flows even. Right? Hey, noticed you left this product in the cart. Here's what Sue, who's like a bit jewelry enthusiast says about this product, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's just, so organic and natural, it's like having a friend recommend a product to you, right? So you can reuse it in so many ways. It's just very powerful to have like these 30 to 50 people who are posting about you. 
Yeah. And especially if you are an e-commerce brand only. So you're not going out face-to-face to shows. You're not yeah. in wholesale in your local areas and you're just selling online. I know this is a big sticking point for a lot of people here is I've got my website up or I have a shop on Etsy and it's not moving any product or it feels like such a fight and such a struggle. Yep. This could be your solution. And for right. those folks, you know, 30 to 50 on a continual basis. And maybe if you're doing a combination because you do go out to shows, maybe you start with five or 10 and add to it as you can. You do apply this on top of your specific situation too, of course. And Yash, there's churn also to your influencers, right? Some will come in and some will come out, right? Yes, that's correct. That's a great point. So churn is definitely a problem. We call it attrition factor. Okay. Um, where a certain percentage of but like churn is a good way to also put it is that some percentage of them would just post once and then never post again or post mm-hmm. twice and then never post again. So you have to factor that in by having your outbound engine running constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just the same as customer acquisition, right? Let's say you acquire 100 customers. Not all of them are going to keep buying from you month on month and now you can rest, right? The marketing keeps running. So if even if customers drop off, new customers come in and you grow and you make up for the churn, right? So it's the same with influencers. You have to have the outbound engine running every week and keeping on acquiring new influencers. But obviously, like you can go a little bit more aggressive in the start and reach out to hundreds of people. But once you have a critical mass of like 30 to 50, you can then reach out to maybe like 25 to 50 people every week and onboard a couple every week and then keep the engines running. So yeah. Once you've got things rolling and then you have a system down, then it just becomes procedural and routine. Exactly. You're right. Yep. All right. So I'm dying to know more about your six step process. Where do we get to start? I want to know everything, but you tell us what you can. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'll go through all of the six steps. Wonderful. In summary, and if you want me to dive into detail in any one of them, just let me know and we can dive in. Okay. What's the purpose behind the process? I was just about to start with that. Yay, go for it. I kind of created it retroactively. I did not like start off with this or like anything. It just comes from experience of what I've seen over and over again with influencer programs and how they grow. It's like there's always like these six common steps that brands can take. Like I said in the beginning, when you asked me about what did you do to educate yourself, right? This is like one of the shortcuts that I've seen that brands can just follow this six step system pretty much blindly at face value and they don't have to do like anything else that I did because all of this is like a synthesis of all of my knowledge to give you the fast track to growing an influencer program. So that's where it came from. That's the purpose of it. And now we'll dive in. So step one is prospecting, is finding the influencers. Step one is not strategy. Step one is not taking courses. Step one is go out log into Instagram and search for influencers who are posting content about your brand. So that maybe if you're a jewelry store, for example, right, uh, you can go search for hashtag jewelry on Instagram, right? And then find influencers who are already creating content around that. And then that leads us to step two, which is outreach, like reach out to them. I'm thinking if I do hashtag jewelry, I'm going to find a ton of jewelry makers. Yes. I'm also going to find... I don't know what to call them, but kind of like roundup accounts. Reach out to us if you want to be shown on our account. And some of them are paid, some of them aren't. Are those the people we're looking for? No. Again, so jewelry is a very, I agree with you, it's a very broad kind of hashtag to use. I am actually looking at Instagram right now. So you would use something like hashtag jewelry addict. So a jewelry addict is going to be someone who's not necessarily like a jeweler or like another brand. It's going to be someone who's, oh, I'm a jewelry addict, right? Something or like hashtag jewelry shopping, maybe. So something like that. Or what about, I don't know what the hashtag would be, but someone who shows you how to wear jewelry, how to accessorize maybe. Yep, exactly. Like the fashion flair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want to find people who are posting about jewelry, not like other brands, not like Roundup accounts and all of like We've worked with Roundup accounts. They don't really work that well. Okay. So not the Roundups. Okay. Not the Roundups, not the other brands, obviously. You want to find people who are organically. And even under hashtag jewelry, I'm seeing some posts. Like there are like posts of people who are doing because on Instagram, especially you see like top posts and recent posts, right? Split into two. Most of the top posts are going to be like big brand accounts, but the recent posts are going to be like people who are posting about 
hashtag jewelry, right? And then eventually you'll find more hashtags as you keep doing this research, like jewelry of the day, jewelry addict. Like I just found this like in two minutes on Instagram. If you do this for like 30 minutes every day, you'll find more and more hashtags around hashtag jewelry love I'm seeing on Instagram right now, right? So yeah. So, and then write down the hashtags so you have a good pool to search through and then you go into those hashtags and then you find the specific accounts that could be approachable for influencing. Correct. Yes. Okay. That's all number one, prospecting. Number one is done. So now let's say you have a list of like 50 to 7,500 accounts, ideally, who are posting about your niche, right? That's your, again, so core and tangential, we are on the core right now, right? So you'd find a list of your core people who are posting about you. Now, step two is outreach. So reach out to them with something that is very focused on giving, not focused on taking, not focused on making a deal with them, not focused on paying them for a post, focused on simply opening up a conversation and seeing where it goes. So the email or the DM should be something DMs would work well for people who are smaller, like less than five, less than 10,000 followers. Emails work better for anyone who's above 10K, 15K followers. So that's like quick tip there on DMs versus emails. What the DM or the email should say is pretty similar. You say something like, hey, I saw your content. Don't start with, hey, I'm the founder at jewelrybrand123.com. We make the amazing guest jewelry in the whole of America. (laughs) none of that right even if you do (laughs) even if you do yeah especially if you do right so if you do that you risk talking about yourself right with your dms and your emails you got to answer two questions what's in it for me and why you right so you start off by answering why like why are you choosing them right so like hey found your content about let's say like imitation jewelry on Instagram and really loved and give like a personal compliment, right? Really loved something that they did in their content or like their dog or something that's specific to them. So they know that it's coming for them. It's not like some general mass outreach that you're sending out. So once you do that, then in the next paragraph or the next line, you write something like, we have this brand, our philosophies align, something like that, like where I think your content is really aligned with what we're trying to do with our ambassador program, would you be open to chatting? So don't end with something like, hey, can we work together? Or are you taking collabs from brands? Or what's your per post fee? Just say, are you open to collaborating? Would this be worth considering, right? So you're simply opening up a conversation and they can say no, like, and that's fine. But you want to open up a conversation with them as opposed to just asking them to post about you. So that was step two, which is outreach, right? Now, moving on to step three, which is your creator offer, right? This is the stuff that I spoke of when we were talking about like the discount code and the affiliate and all of that. So what is your creator offer, right? So creator offer, according to me, consists of three things. It will consist of what you're giving the creator in kind, like in like actual physical product or something like that. It will consist of the commission that you give them for every sale or like a flat fee or whatever you're paying them, whatever the like the money transaction is, that is number two. And then number three is the discount that you have for their audience. You combine these three things and you have something known as your creator offer. Okay, so basically it, it should say something like, we are gonna offer you X product, offer you X amount in commissions and give your audience a Y percent in discount if they order using your discount code. Right. So that's like your creator offer in one line. Once you have that, that is step number three. And that will be your basis for your conversation with creators. So like when you outreach, obviously they're going to reply to you saying, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Here are some ideas, whatever you can send them your offer saying, cause then they reply with a yes. Then they say, yes, I am open to collaborating. Then it's your job to send them your offer. Like, Hey, this is what I'm offering, right? I'll give you this product, this much in commissions, and this much in discount for your order. So it's very clear for the creator as well. And they can quickly read one sentence and make a decision as opposed to sending PDFs or contracts or doing like complex negotiations. You have it clear in your mind that, hey, this is our offer. And we are going to only focus on working with creators who say yes to this offer, right? Mm-hmm. And then do that. So that was step three is like creating your offer and pitching it to creators. Step number four seems kind of like, obvious or like it's a given but a lot of brands ignore it step number four is shipping so the way you ship product it's an indicator of how likely they are to post about you 
So if you send your product in like a cardboard box, they're not going to be like super, it's just another package that they get, right? You should like gift wrap it, add a personal note to it, add extra goodies to it, make it as overwhelmingly positive as possible. Because like it said, right, the unboxing is the only touch point with a 100% open rate. Like your email campaigns have a certain percent open rate. Your ads have a certain percent click-through rate, but everybody opens their packages, right? Especially if it's something that they've ordered or something that they've, you know, received from a brand. You are so right. And we already know that it's a gift coming to you. So obviously you're going to open it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like your best chance to impress them with like everything that you have. Send them free goodies, send them swag. And it doesn't have to be like, if you're like a small brand, you probably don't have like t-shirts or mugs with your brand name on it. That's fine. Send them a personal note. Anyone can take five minutes to write a pers- 10 personal notes if you're reaching out to 10 influencers, right? Handwrite it or like you could technically print it and then just add like some personal element, like sign it or something like that and send it to influencers so that they should feel different. They should feel special because they are, that they're going to promote your brand. Oh, so this packaging should be up-leveled from even the packaging that you send out the regular product to your customer. It's like the influencer shipping program. Correct. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. Can I just make a comment? Don't put in any sprinkly, sparkly things that are going to come out and make a mess (laughs) of desks. Okay, please. Because it's going to have the, it might look pretty, but it's going to have the opposite impact. I've had that happen to me several times and it's like, oh, I'm so mad. (laughs) Uh, It's the pain talking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that was step number four, which is shipping and overwhelming them with how good your shipping experience is. Step number five is more logistics. So now that you've shipped, now you've done everything you can to make sure that they post. You've had reached out to the right people. You, first of all, you found the right people. You've reached out to them in the correct way, right? You have sent them the right offer that's appealing to them. They've said yes. You've shipped them a product. Not only have you shipped it, you've done your best to really like impress them with the experience. Now it's up to them. You've given them so much. Most likely they're going to post about you. Now what happens after the post is actually tracking the sales that come in. So step number five is tracking the sales. And usually this is done through some kind of affiliate link or some a discount code. We mostly prefer discount codes when starting out because you don't have to pay for additional software for the affiliate links. So yeah, just track like every week have like a discount code tracking session of like 30 minutes every Friday. How do we know that they've posted? Do you ask them to tell you their posting schedule or how does that work? Multiple things. So usually you would also follow them on social media, especially if you're starting out and you'll just know when they post. And most influencers, when they post, they will like send you the link saying, hey, I've posted about you. It's mostly like manual, like back and forth in terms of you just following them and you just notice a post already. Or they usually just send it to you over email saying, hey, this is the link I've posted. Let me know. Stuff like that. So that's how that's how we track. And my guess is you don't ask them or require them to do that because then you're giving them more work. Like if they're doing the work by posting. So let it be on your end. You already know who has agreed and who you've sent out things to. So as we start, it'll be 5, 10, 30 people, accounts that you're tracking, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, all right. And like once you scale to like, hundreds of influencers, it's, it's like impossible to keep track of it manually. And in that case, there's like social listening tools that you can use to make sure that, you know, when they mention your brand, you track it automatically. That's like, a, don't worry about it right now. Right. Yeah. So yeah, because a lot of people tend to like look at software, look at this and that and tracking links and how do I do all of this? And then they just never take action. You're right. Exactly. You know us, Yash, you know us well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. These were the first five steps and it's a six step system. If you do the first five steps correctly, you already have a very good influencer program, like step number six. But to go from good to great, you need step number six. And step number six is not tactical. It's more philosophical is to build relationships with these people. So posting about your brand once is fine, twice is fine. But then if you don't have a relationship with them, they're like, it's not going to be long term, right? So then your acquisition engine has to keep running like at, at like a heavy volume every week. And after a point, you will reach a point where there's like no more influencers in you because there's only so many people posting about imitation jewelry, right? 
and you'll reach a limit and then nobody's like you've reached out to everyone that there was to be reached out to right so you got to build relationships with the people who are posting about you keep them engaged add them in a whatsapp group slack group something like that and basically keep sending them free products do different kinds of things with them so like it doesn't always have to be a product based collaboration it could be a live session it could be them taking over your social media for a day right it could be like inviting them over to your factory or over to your kitchen and you know making a product with them showing them behind the scenes something like that treat these people as you would treat your friends and basically like just make friends with them is the point right because if you do that then it and it goes beyond money then it goes beyond like the brand it becomes you and the creator right so as the founder of the brand it's your job to be having to be maintaining these relationships and you have to be intentional about this because it's easy to just lose track so keep track of these things and make sure that you're you know engaging with them make sure that they know like some secret insider information about upcoming products behind the scenes of the brand stuff like that and you will see like these i have this saying like maybe it could be on my influencer marketing candle like relationships compound transactions don't so if you do transactions that's fine that's like yeah okay commerce right relationships will grow over time absolutely yeah okay and i'm also thinking just as an extension of that is tag them on your email list and you can send specific emails just to top influencers exactly it can be a combination of one-on-one communication and then very targeted groups of people communication too but i love that full circle and of course i have two things to say <laughs> one's a question Okay. Do you ever fire influencers who've agreed to work with you and aren't performing? Like do you ever decide yourself to trim down the list cuz nothing's happening and here you have this discount code out there and maybe they're only buying product for themselves at a discount and never posting. Well, it could happen, right? It could happen. It's possible, but if you select the right kind of people in step 1, mm-hmm. we've very rarely seen that happen actually because our step one is very robust we only find like the best kind of creators mm-hmm. so it's hard to go wrong with those kinds of people. but yes to answer your question we have purged programs before with like now it also kind of once you're at scale right it, these things come in when you're at like 100 200 influencers when you're at like 30 or 50 most people are going to post about you once you reach a certain scale you will have like some dead weight right and then we make sure that we don't like fire them in like the traditional sense of it being like a negative connotation to fire right, we right. can just tell them that hey we have a very robust like follow up process like if someone's just not posting if we don't see their code in like the weeklies for like a month mm-hmm. we just reach out to them saying hey you've not posted about us what's going on maybe like they're just busy something's happened right it's fine like they cannot post for two months that's completely okay but just check in with them ask them what's up if they're just not interested or if they say i'm not interested anymore or if they just don't reply to you for 2 3 months in that case just send them what i call like a breakup email saying hey really sorry we have to do this but we're focused on keeping our ambassador community niche and only for active people so i'm going to deactivate your coupon code right now but if you, at all you're ever interested in working with us again please reach out and i'm happy to enable it again right yeah. so something very amicable and things on good terms with people yeah putting your account on pause reach out when you're ready to go again or something like that exactly something like that okay the other thought i had when you were saying you know like in terms of deepening relationships having people come to your kitchen and see how you know those delicious cookies you make are made things like that yep. influencers could also be people in your local market so if you are a local bakery mm-hmm. send the mayor could be an influencer exactly yeah or someone who is a teacher at a park district of your kids classes yep could be an influencer because their online community i'll say yep. are people part of the neighborhood community the physical yep. community and they are also potential customers of yours yep so that would fall into the transgenial right how do you say that word tangential tangential i can't say yeah. it but that <laughs> would fall in that category of prospecting yep. right because it's not a direct Correct. map but for local businesses huge opportunity huge up totally like i went on another podcast and the host asked me like how does this work for local like if a local shop wanted or like a cafe wanted to do it right mm-hmm. i was like okay so you will always find someone in a certain niche in your local area in your city let's say right maybe not in your neighborhood but for sure in your city right let's say it's a cafe in new york 
just take that example. So there's a lot of people posting about hashtag cafe culture, New York, hashtag coffee, NYC, something like that, right? So reach out to them, say, hey, we'll give you like free coffee, come over with your friends or have host a meetup with your fans. And then, hey, we know just organically promote us. And then promotion is just a consequence of them being there. So like working with local creators is definitely, it's not something that I have ever done directly because we mostly work with like national level e-commerce brands, but that's something that totally, I don't see a reason why it won't work for a, maybe on a smaller scale, maybe you won't have like 50 influencers. Maybe you just have 10 who are local in your city who regularly promote you. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that's totally like an avenue. Well, and it can be a combination. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you have two or three local and the rest are all e-commerce, but I just don't want to discount that because I think those could be really valuable and powerful connections for you too. Yep. Yep. Totally. Okay. So, well, now I think we should probably wind down here. I could think and dream up a million other questions, but I won't. <laughs> I'm going to let you have part of your day for yourself. Yeah. But tell us more about what Cyril offers. If people are looking to dive deeper, do more with you, yeah. share with us a little bit about that. Sure. So basically, Saral is a platform for brands to come on board and run and create an influencer campaign in 30 minutes. So Saral, by the way, in Sanskrit means simple and easy, right? So because in, like we discussed, it's so complex that you don't know where to start, what to do, blah, blah, blah. We make it super simple for you. You can come on our platform. It's a free trial. You don't have to put your card in. Find influencers. All of the six steps can be done inside of Saral. Find influencers, reach out to them, negotiate with them, send them your offer, ship your products through Saral, track performance inside of Saral, and obviously maintain all of your relationships inside of Saral. So all of it is like simplified for you in like one app. So you don't have to use like 10 different things. It's a very structured kind of, it's, it's more of an assistant than it, it's like an app. So it keeps you all organized. Exactly. So if you're new to it, especially, you should consider using Saral to manage your program. But even if you don't, we have a very good resource called the Academy on our website. I guess you will leave the link in the show notes, mm -hmm. but definitely check that out. If you're like new to influencer marketing, you just want to like check out like what are the different ways that I can do this? How do I reach out? If you have all these questions, we have all of them answered on our Academy. It's the best resource on the planet to learn influencer marketing for free. On the planet. Planet, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Totally go there. Yeah, even if you don't start a free trial, I think that's like a very good resource to just learn from and do some influencer stuff for your brand. So yeah. Perfect. Well, you are definitely up-leveling the whole world of influencer marketing giving people an entranceway to come in. You've tested the systems. You have a very understandable six-step process that honestly, I mean, a couple of these steps I would have never thought of. So thank gosh for you that you're here and <laughs> you know that you can share that with us. This has been tremendous, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom and experience with us. Thank you for having me, Sue. And I'd love to run it another time, maybe in a year. Oh, there you go. It's a date. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you as excited as I am about the potential for you with influencer marketing? It's a different way to leverage social media that makes a lot of sense. Hopefully you've written down Yasha's six steps and are ready to dive into the first one, prospecting. It actually sounds like a lot of fun. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review is always fabulous because it helps get the show seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And there's another way where you can get something tangible in return for your support too. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift too. And we've just added some new products for the season to the shop. Turnaround is quick and the quality is top notch. Nothing but the best for you. <laughs> Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps go to offset the cost of producing the show. And now be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. 
got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 